Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Puzzling Company. I am Jared, and with me always is... It's Zach. It's Zach. We have a great episode for you today. We try to do one episode a month that is a spotlight episode of a new game that was just released. And today we have an exciting game called the Enigmas Puzzle Hunt Card Deck from David Kwong and Dave Shukan. We'll see you in a second for the episode. Zach, listen, man, we, we need to have a talk. Okay. What about? Well, I got your postcard in the mail and... I'm worried, man. Nothing made sense on it, and there was even things in there that implicated you in some kind of larger conspiracy organization. Yeah, I really don't see what the problem with that is. Wait, wait, no, this this isn't how our ads work. You usually, this is the part where you say, oh, it's a game and crazy, Jared, and we do that whole little shtick, but you're not saying that this time, so is this true? Well... If you're curious to find out what is true, you should head over to theenigmaemporium.com and check out the Wish You Were Here series. Oh, so it is a game, right? Zach? Zach? Come on, man. What's true? All right, everybody. Welcome back. As I mentioned in our brief intro, we are talking about the Enigmas card deck today. And this is a different game for us. Yeah, it is. Um, it's Very a, much so. It's a new medium. We've There are... A few uh, puzzle mystery experiences that take place through a deck of cards. Yeah. Um, but this is our first time tackling one, and we were really excited about that. Mm-hmm. So I I personally believe there is a lot to love in this small little package, and we're just going to break it down for you like we always do. We're going to dive into the reasons that we really love this game, and then we will tack into where we felt like there was a little bit of room for growth. Mm-hmm. So uh, if, if you don't know anything about this project, I want to tell you a little bit about it. As I mentioned, it is a project of um, David Kwong and David Shukan, or Dave Shukan as he likes to go by. But David Kwong is a, a renowned magician, illusionist, who focuses the majority of his work at the intersection of puzzles and magic. Yeah. And we're going to get to talk to him directly in our section at the end. And Dave uh, Shukan is a puzzle master i don't know what the highest yeah i think master would be the right word (laughs) i don't know what the highest but he is uh he is a a puzzle baller we will say yeah that's another way to put it uh he is one of uh quite frequently a winner of the mit puzzle hunt which is considered the most difficult puzzle hunt uh, team organized competitive event out there but i digress i don't want to get too much into it but this is a project that they have teamed up together mm-hmm. to put out. And it, like we said, it all takes place in a deck of cards. Yeah. So Zach, start us off. What did we really love about this? So I, I think something that we really liked was the puzzle difficulty, like mm. the different type of like quality of difficulties and stuff like that too. Uh, for a small deck of cards, uh, there is enough difficulty and range in the types of uh, puzzles they give you. Yes. Uh, and they're quite entertaining, some of them, uh, to say yes. the least, when we were messing around with them. But I think that's just a, b- a big win because it feels like, okay, well, it's not like, you know, the ones in the deck, you know, like when you're doing it, there's only like, you know, like two and they're kind of like, 
easy and yes. it feels like it's over really quick. Um, the, you know, without talking about too much about how the whole thing goes out, the, the deck itself has a few in them and the few that are in there all definitely scale. So there's a few that we took that were like, okay, you know, we figured this out maybe like 20 minutes of thinking, you know, some we got a little bit more quicker than that. Some we took like an hour trying to figure out like, okay, we set this up, we do this, 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 you know? Yes. Uh, and then you find out, uh, and if you, if you know David Kwong's work, uh, when you start going through it, there's way more to this, uh, than you ever would have thought. Yes. And we're going to dive into that in a second, but I do want to talk about and agree with you. There was something about the engagement level of these puzzles. You know, other puzzles, you may be able to sit at it, look at it, and then boom, in two seconds, you have an answer. But these puzzles, you had to write them down, play with them. And it is in the puzzle hunt format, so you will have to do some research for yes. some of them. Very much so. Uh, I would say, especially if you don't know your fish. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Then yes, yeah, yes. Uh, you'll have to do Or a your res- red wine. Or your red, yes, or your red wine. You have to do a little bit of research on that. Um, but it it was, it's just quality, quality puzzles. Um, and um, both of these gentlemen have a very long history in word style puzzles. Yeah. And that showed they they were wielding their tools and their gifts very well mm-hmm. when making this. And that was enjoyable because we were you and I personally, we were on whiteboards writing things down, saying, hey, what do you think about this? Like doing a little. And, and, and I really enjoyed that section. Yeah. We have three whiteboards in our office. They're all quite big. And I think we legitimately used all three of them yes. by graphing out everything that we ever wanted yes. to. Yes, and it, and, it, and it took us a good amount of time, and I really enjoyed yep. that. But as Zach mentioned, the, the second thing that we really love, and this is true about most of the things that David and Dave work on together, is it's never just that first level. Oh, yeah. Right? And this is something that I think is super unique to what these gentlemen do versus a majority of the other companies and products that we play, mm-hmm. right? Everything else is they want you to get through 100% of it, and that's the end of it. But yeah. with these guys, that's not the case. Yeah, it's definitely not the case at all. And they, what they, in essence, and what they do, and they do it in this card deck, I know that David personally does this in all of his shows, is he, he, he offers you opportunities. He says, Hey, I've got this first level. It's for everyone, the average puzzler. Mm-hmm. Come along on that journey for me. And then at the same time, you realize that I really didn't use all of the information that he gave me to solve that top tier level puzzle. There's something more here. Yeah. And he kind of invites you, if you want, to go a little bit deeper with them. Yeah. Uh, and that's cool. No, it is really unique. It's pretty crazy when you go, okay, well, you know. Because before we did the cards, right, we we kind of watched like his the YouTube video kind of. Yes. Uh, yes. And in that one alone, he very much tells you that there's a the starter puzzle and then there's the very big like, hey, see if you can find the the bigger puzzle in this. Yes. You know, when you do it, you laugh because you're like, okay, what's this? And then you know, Jared will tell you very much so that when we did this, we stared at a YouTube video for like three days, going, okay, well. We clearly know this is the like <laughs> the, the item in this video is what we're looking at. And just to be clear, this is this is a video that is not part of the Enigma's Correct. deck experience. This yes. was a teaser that we'll actually post in the show notes that he did for one of his previous shows. Yes, that but is it, but it, it does illustrate the point that we're talking about. I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah, no, you're totally fine. But yeah, it, it's just a show that like he very much is like, yeah, here here's the starter puzzle or the level one. You know, everyone can do this. But hey, like. I I very much have invited you to a a uh, a cave or mystery, 
uh, of different puzzle hunts that you can go on. And it very much happens in this game as well, which is really fun because uh, as you do the card deck, uh, you start to very much realize that at the near the end that there's something crazy big for you uh, yes. that is just waiting for an answer. Yes. So. And, it, and it, it, it's just so well orchestrated. Yep. Uh, there's, uh, and, and that's what you should take away from this game is like, if you just enjoy tier one, mm-hmm. that's great. That's what it's there for. The, I feel like the, they do a really good job of saying the tier two is only there if you want it. If you don't want to go farther down the rabbit hole, don't feel bad about it. But this is for, um, <laughs> I would say, the clinically puzzly insane. Yeah. That's <laughs> the, that's the, the puzzles beyond point uh, yeah. A are not for the faint of heart. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And if you want to give them a whirl and that's not your your bag, then okay, move on, do a different puzzle game, and that's totally fine. Yeah. But there is a lot of content that you can can cover, and I just love how it uses. I feel like David does a really good job of mirroring that both in his puzzle aspects of what he does and in the magic. Yeah. Right. He uses that same analogy in the uh, illusion stuff that he does is, hey, I'm going to show you this and you really make like this, but really I'm packing something different. That big reveal that a lot of magic acts has, he has duly applied that to both elements that he's a really talented and gifted person at. And I love that. Yeah. I really love that. Uh, now, what what was the last thing that we really enjoy about this? And this kind of ties into some of the other projects that David's involved in. Uh, kind of the last thing is that it's tied to a real place. Uh, so it isn't just like an all fictional thing. Uh, it very much hints and leads you towards uh, a few different things. So like as an example, uh, I can't actually tell you the location because it does spoil one of the clues. Sure. Um, but it does hint at you that you are kind of at this one specific place uh, that is real, uh, that yes. you can easily look up on the internet, and that everything past that um, that we've done so far is kind of also hinted at that same place. Yes. Uh, so that isn't like you are doing this, you know, like fictional puzzle hunt uh, and stuff like that. You can very much tell there is more of a narrative to it than you thought. Yes. Uh, now, the narrative, in my opinion, doesn't take like the most upfront. Agreed. With it, Agreed. But, but the point is that it's a puzzle hunt. Yes. Um, so a lot of it is the puzzle hunt, but you can tell there is a narrative technically or something kind of hidden in the background. I agree. Yeah. It, and in most puzzle hunts, the narrative is not often the shining star, yeah. which which you're talking about. But I, I completely agree with you on that. It is uh, it's interesting that a lot of the inspiration from this in how they formulate some of the narrative and some of their puzzles is drawn from this actually really cool, really neat place. Yeah. And we're going to leave that as I like I like that. Leave that as a teaser. If you want to find out what we're talking about, watch the video, pick up the card deck. And it is a rabbit hole in and of itself to explore this really cool place in the continental U.S., I will say. Yeah. Uh, But yes, uh, really, really liked it. Um, There were some areas that we thought there were a little bit of room of improvement. Mm -hmm. And I want to tread a little lightly in this section because I personally believe that all of the things that we say were intentionally done by the creators. So we may not agree with them in terms of what makes a full experience in a game. But uh, I do think that they were chosen paths versus things that were just forgotten about. And they would have said like, oh, yeah, we should have done that. So I just very much agree. I want to throw that out there because the first thing that we're going to talk about um, is the use of the medium. Mm -hmm. So we felt like there was room for growth in that area because 
maybe our expectations may have been a little bit in the wrong place, but we thought we were going to be using the entire deck of cards. Yeah. And uh, surprise, you don't. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's much of a spoiler. It may be really helpful to people out here who are t- tackling the deck in the future. But there are some there are some puzzles that you need uh, the back of the card to solve. But the rest of the puzzles, I felt like you could have slapped on a piece of paper and then given us the deck of cards and could have set you free. Like, I personally wanted to see more stuff hidden in maybe this card versus that card. If I've got 52 unique cards, I thought there was going to be more hidden. And we actually spent a good little bit of time just making sure, like, hey, do you know, did all of it. Is, is, is this ten of spades? Does this look a little bit weird to you? Like, Yeah. No, I agree. I think... Um, the content that we got in the cards felt from what we thought potentially underwhelming. Uh, I, but I think we came in, like I said, to the expectation that we would look in the cards and there would be a lot more to it. Yes. Uh, yes. There is way more into this, which is the part that we're kind of like trying to tread lightly because, you know, there is a lot more to this and they offer a ton. Yes. But if you're wanting it all in the cards, it's not all in the cards. It's not all in the cards. It's like- very much a, like you get a deck of cards and then you get the puzzle hunt or the, like the yes. puzzle hunt at like the beginning and the, on the it, other. Cards. In essence, what we're saying is they could have accomplished this same mechanic with a picture and four pieces of paper. Kind of. Yeah. Right. They, they chose to use the card medium because sure. it makes sense. Right. Like David does a lot of card work in his yeah. in his magic. Um, card decks are collectible. Yeah. Th- things of that nature. But it didn't feel like um, the narrative or even some of the puzzles were really tied to the medium. Yeah. Which I think other, like, as we said, talking about other experiences, other experiences choose the medium to really drive home the narrative and the puzzles. Yeah. And this just kind of felt like, let's put a cool puzzle hunt in a deck of cards. Yeah, no. I, the deck of cards is really nice, though. We, yes. We'll say that. The, yes, the deck it's of cards very, are very finely nice. tuned deck of cards, yes. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the few puzzles, that we, you know, the puzzles that you do in the actual card deck is great. We really much enjoyed them. But yeah, I, I, I was a little disappointed that there wasn't a lot more to the deck itself. Yes. Yeah, so. totally. I totally agree. And like, as we said earlier, I think that was done intentionally. Um, the puzzles that we did tackle were... Mm-hmm. Like we said, they were great. Yeah, they were really good. We had a lot of fun solving those puzzles. But in but if we are comparing this deck to other experiences yep. um, that are fuller and richer and more narrative, you need to know going into this deck of cards uh, that you you're not going to use a whole lot of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what what else didn't we like, Zach? Uh, so kind of one of the other things that we thought needed like improvement was uh, there's actually no hint system for the actual deck of cards. Is that for all of it or for just part of it? Uh, technically, it's for like the first. If I had to give it like a like a how far it would be like seventy five percent of the game does not have one. Um, without going into it too much, um, the the main deck of cards and the the different puzzles you get and how you're supposed to solve them. Uh, there's actually not one. Mm. But when you solve the first, let's say, answer of it, and it gets you to like the... The, I'm gonna, ne- the next point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it like the, the meta puzzle or the next thing that is involving the cards. Yes. Is where you get your first hint system. Yes. And then if you decide to deep dive even further into like the inevitable puzzle hunt that you may find if you're lucky, uh, in that one it has a hint system, which was really nice. Uh, so it, it was really cool having that, but it felt really weird that for the first four, if you, let's say you weren't someone that was like 
more of your average or a little bit better than an average puzzle hunter, yes, you're kind of just stuck. You're just kind of okay. Yeah. Well, the only way I can get information now is I. They do have an email system that if yes. you have questions, if you do have like questions, that. yes, so you can definitely just email them. But it felt weird that like usually with stuff like this, they kind of give you like a basic hint system to kind of help right. out with even the first few. Agreed. And it very much felt like okay, well, but it could be intentional, right? Because you could argue like. This is your test. If you can get past the first four, then they're willing to help you out more with this. Absolutely. So. And and it's not to say that the first puzzles were incredibly difficult. No. It's just that in the world, in all of the games that we cover, we are very accustomed to, and I think newer players need this, accustomed to, hey, if I get stuck, I need help. Yeah. And it's not there for that first round of puzzles. And we think that could potentially be frustrating for people sure. who enjoy doing experiences in a limited time frame yeah or people who have a certain threshold for uh frustration and just at some point want to hint and need to get through it yeah so um not the end of the world again i think it was it was done intentionally that there's more help near the end than the beginning because the beginning puzzles aren't as difficult but nonetheless still something where we felt like there was some room for improvement the last thing we want to talk about and again i'm going to say i think this was done very intentionally on the side of the creators is there is a lack of puzzle diversity in this experience compared to some of the other games that we will play and have played yeah and what i mean by that is you knowing the two people that created this game it makes sense Dave is fantastic at making world word puzzles and David focuses more on hidden codes and code breaking. Those are the two types of puzzles you're going to solve on this adventure ex- yeah. exclusively. Right. If, if you've also played other like David or Dave's works, um, it very much becomes clear that it is those same type of puzzles. Yes. That, that's uh, what it, it is. doesn't mean that it isn't like they're all great unique. Puzzles. They're all unique yes. in their own way, but they are the same type. So, you know, if you're used to doing other puzzle hunts of theirs and stuff like that, if you've done them before, you kind of run into the same thing again where you go, okay, it's this type of puzzle, but now it's a whole new thing. And, you know, usually the rule changes a little bit or that the whole rule itself changes, but it looks the same. And you're like, okay, it's it's this type, but I need to figure out what I need to do. Right. So compared to other things where there's uh, more tangibility or just like a different variation and level of puzzle diversity, Mm -hmm. you're going to be solving in my mind, two veins of puzzles here. Yeah. And if you like those, they're great, fantastic puzzles that are challenging and make you think. Very much so. Are not going to be solved very quickly, in my opinion. But if what you prefer is a more robust, diverse experience in terms of the types of puzzles that you're playing, Mm -hmm. you're not going to find that experience here. Yeah. Um, And some of the better games that we have played that, you know, are in our personal top echelon, they give you a buffet versus prescribing what's on the menu for you. Sure. You know, so um, we we wanted to present that as an area where this game maybe doesn't stack up compared to other games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but on the whole, um, we really enjoyed this experience. It's a great puzzle hunt experience. Full disclosure, we are still working on the second half, the harder path. Um, yeah. We are those who love to deep dive into something and kind of can't rest until we've fully maxed it out. But what another really cool feature that we will dote about this is there is a Hall of Fame. There is very much a Hall of Fame uh, for, for people who make it all the way through this. Um, and uh, we noticed some familiar names up there when we were looking at the Hall of Fame. We did, yes. Uh, so we we hope to join those ranks one day mm-hmm. uh, when we have a little bit more time to try to conquer the mind of Dave. Yes. In in those ending puzzles. Uh, 
but that that'll be coming in the future, and hopefully we'll have an update for that. But on the whole, I I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I think it's a really fun experience. It had its little things for sure. Right. Uh, but getting a really cool deck of cards and a it feels like never ending puzzle hunt. Yes. Uh, as you get further into it, it, it's really fun. And let's just say it, it's I think a good analogy for this game is it's like an iceberg. Oh no. There is <laughs> there is way more beneath the surface than oh, that's true. than what you see on top. And I think that's what's really intriguing for a lot of people out there that are looking for a challenge, that are looking for fun. Um, this is a great thing to pick up, and we recommend it. You could also say it's like a transformer. It is like a transformer. Because it's more than meets the eye. <laughs> I, I'm going to leave the analogies to you from now on. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Well, that's that's us wrapping up this first section. Back in a second with Puzzles for the People. Solve puzzles, write reviews, win prizes. It's time for Puzzles to the People. Usually we would do an ad here, but what is important to us is that if you are not already a part of the online community that we are a part of, which is the Puzzle People Games and Mysteries group on Facebook, definitely go head over there, submit an application. It's quick and easy and come join a bunch of passionate players, creators who are just interested in getting good information, good ideas, and good games out there. Remember, that's Puzzle People, Games and Mysteries, or if you hear us talk about the PPGM group, that's what we're talking about, but we just wanted to give them a shout-out and say, if you're not already a part of that, come be a part of that. Well, welcome back, guys. Uh, We are now into the segment called Puzzles to the People. Uh, In this section, we will be reading different reviews or questions that are going to be given to me by Jared. And then this will be my area to kind of discuss my feelings on those questions and for me and Jared to basically do like a debate back and forth and figure out who is correct. Ooh. Or maybe no one is correct or we're both correct. You'll never know. There's a lot of options there. There is. There's yes. a lot of options. There was three in that. Actually. I like I like that. I like that a lot. It's a, a great overview of what happens here. Yes. <laughs> now, when we have a new game, generally there's not a lot of people to pull reviews from yet. Yeah. So in when we usually we do a new episode that is focused around a new game, which we I, I said earlier we do once a month, I create the questions for Zach, and we're going to have a little more discussion on these because the general public hasn't had enough time to leave their feedback. Yeah. But please do. Um, please go to our website, puzzlingcompany.com. Click on the games and leave a review for this. If you have played it, we would love that feedback. But here's question number one for you, Zach. Enigma's card deck is new player friendly. Ooh, okay. Uh, this is an interesting question. Okay, I'll word it like this. My answer is yes to the deck of cards. Okay. Okay. We've discussed a little bit in the earlier section. I think the deck of cards is a good intro into the type of puzzles. Now, my only like minor point that might be used against me, which I could expect from you, there's no real hint system to this, so it feels very like non-player, like new player friendly, because if you feel like you got stuck, you kind of don't get an answer to it unless you email them, which there is that option still. Sure. Uh, but I feel like the puzzles are not the most crazy difficult. They just take time or research, you know, or understanding of the different type of puzzles. So I feel like it is a pretty good starter into the puzzle hunt experience. And yes. you get a cool deck of cards. I'm going to disagree with you. Be- oh, shocker. Because the the puzzle hunt world, in my opinion, is not super new player friendly. Now, there are, there are some other games, in my opinion, that do a really good job of introing that type of genre. Like onboarding. Yes, like onboarding, absolutely, into like that. that. But 
like you mentioned, especially without the hint system, I would only give this to, if I knew somebody was fresh into the puzzle world, I would only give this to somebody who I knew really enjoyed a challenge. Sure. That makes sense. Even the first part, um, it is not the best in terms of, hey, here's what you need to do. I think they do a really good job of prescribing what you're supposed to be finding and looking for and how you need to go about solving the puzzle. Yes. Because often in puzzle hunts, you're going through this twofold process of figuring out what the puzzle is and then trying to solve the puzzle. But in the earlier version of this, they kind of do you the favor of telling you what the puzzle is and what you're looking for. So that's kind of new player friendly. But on the whole, this would be the gift that I would give to somebody who's looking to step out of the maybe escape room style puzzle world and take on more of a challenge. So if they're looking, like you mentioned, if they're looking to transition into the puzzle hunt world, which is very different. Yeah, it's it's a whole different experience. It's akin but it's it's very different, and if you expect the same thing from an escape room style game and a puzzle hunt, you're going to get frustrated. Very much so. So I would say somebody who's ready to jump out and start tackling a more difficult genre, I would say this is good for them. But for somebody off the street that you just handed this deck of cards, I think they. I don't think this is maybe the experience for you're them. You're telling me my, my grandma couldn't play this if she wanted. I'm saying she could. She could give it a run, and she could probably make it through the first half. But. Um, I think there are better suited games to hand first-time players. Okay. Yeah. I can get that. All right. Question number two for you is, this game is worth its value. And what I mean for this is, and we'll talk a little about this, you can go and and buy this deck of cards right now at davidkwongmagic.com for $18. Yeah. Uh, In your opinion, is it worth that value? Yes. Very much so. I totally agree with you. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad you agree. Finally, we can find some common ground here yes. in this section. I mean, I'm not going to forgive you about the whole, uh, the bar fight thing that oh, we discussed and, and in our last episode. Yes. Yeah. I know you're still salty about that. Okay. We're not getting there. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's honestly, it's great for the value. Uh, the deck of cards itself is almost worth I agree. That, that price. Yes. Because uh, if you look at buying a deck of cards themselves, you can spend that money and not get a great deck of cards. So getting a great deck of cards that has a puzzle hunt in it and then also is really well made and then also gives you way more if you can, if you want to or yes. can solve the, the harder puzzle hunt is fantastic for this price. Yes. It's something that you really can't get from anything else. They get probably what? Two... It, uh, let's say you're not the uh how'd you put it the clinically puzzly insane <laughs> <No clinical. laughs> um it just offers a few days honestly worth of work if you want to put into it yeah because a lot of the the harder puzzles that we're starting to work on now that's definitely not something we solve in in 20 minutes no. 30 minutes that's no. like a we spend like two hours and we discuss it with each other and that's for us yes know? so being able to do like and I'm not going to tell you how many puzzles there are, but there's a lot. So there being able to do all of them definitely takes a few days. Yeah, I think uh, I like to think of value in terms of how much enjoyment I'm going to get over it over a period of time. Sure. Like that's kind of my equation for this. I have an analogy. Oh, what do you got? Okay. That's actually not an analogy. It's more of an example. <laughs> uh, there's a video game I like playing. Okay. Jared, you're going to say it on three. Ready? One, One two, two, three. World of Warcraft. Wow. You're perfect at it. You spend $15 a month at it, right? You know, and that's what I do. If you don't, you know, it's totally cool. Uh, I mean, you should play it. It's really good right now. But anyways, spending $15 a month, right, it's figuring out how much you want to do. Or ex- other example, right, is video games when you buy them. I mean, this is basically not the same thing. It's a, it's, it's similar equation, though. It's the equation, though, of like, okay, well, if this, this game, spent, you know, I have to spend $30, am I going to get, is six hours of, like, gameplay worth 30 bucks to you? Yes or yeah. no? People pay $30 a person 
to go play escape rooms. And that's an hour worth of content. And that's an hour worth of content, yes. So imagine paying $18 and getting three days worth of content. Yeah, it's the it, va- it's crazy. I think the value here is, is if you are a puzzle person, yes. like if you just love good, like make sense, solid, but difficult puzzles, the value is fantastic. You're not, I, I don't know anything else for this much that you're going to get this much content for. Yeah, also inside joke to Jared, it's also like spending $2 to get a newspaper, you know, that that newspaper is it worth the two bucks that you spend in it? Uh, you know, during the 1920s, oh, absolutely, absolutely, it's totally but, worth. Know, that's it. He's referring to a, an actual escape room we have here in town. Uh, but I, I I think the value is uh, fantastic, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It is a fantastic deck of cards. Yes. Um, it, it is a fantastic experience inside of it. And for 18 bucks, that's a that's a no brainer for me. Yeah, very like, much so. Please take my money, and they did. So <laughs> I need some of it for my bills, but they can take the rest. They can yeah. take, yeah, absolutely. Ooh, this is uh, this is an interesting question. The Enigmas card deck is immersive. Ooh, okay, that is an interesting question. Hmm. Okay, I have an answer for it for now. Okay, my answer is no. That's okay. just personally me. Now, uh, we've discussed this on other episodes. I very much enjoy the narrative or the story that gets you into the games and how they figure out ways for you at home or wherever you're at to get immersed into it. I will say the puzzles themselves make you very much focus on them. Yes. So if you want to count that as immersion, which it is, right, is focusing on that subject, it does a pretty good job with it. But for me, and this is like my personal just opinion with puzzle hunts, I very much just, they're not... Like, comparatively to other types of uh, experiences, they're not my cup of tea all the time. But I feel like you do really well at them. It is it is weird how good I am at puzzle hunts. But I they're, but the, for me, they're just not as, like, and obviously this is different. Escape rooms, right, give you the opportunity to be fully immersed if sure. they do it correctly. Sure. When you do experiences at home, they kind of give you as much as they can possibly, but it's still on you to fully get in there. Sure. A little bit of imagination is needed for most experiences. I think puzzle hunts have the most interesting style of doing it. They have to focus they have to make you focus on the puzzle so much that you forget other things. Mm. And I think they do a pretty good job at it. But to me, that's just still for me, that's just not my thing. Right. Like, I, I enjoy the puzzle hunts, and I apparently I'm really good at them. I, I, I've, we've been kind of figuring this out lately that I've been getting better and better at puzzle hunts for some reason. Yes. Uh, I don't think it's as immersive as I want, but that's hard from this medium sure. to accomplish that. Right. Well, in what I hear you're saying, and I think we would agree with on, I, I would say no to this as well, to yeah. our question, is it immerses us in what is... of the immersion equation. Yeah. Right. And you touched on it. I think in terms of an at-home game, you have to find a really good marriage of story and puzzle. And then just points on top, if you can give us more of a physical component to help that, um, because you don't, you you know, you're not going to come to my house and build out a set around your game. Although kudos, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to whoever invents that, who wants to show up my house and build me an at-home puzzle or mystery and then decorate my house. I'm, I'm down for that. Your full house? I was going to say, yeah. there are experiences that we can build. Yes. Uh, which we hopefully will very much get to play uh, in the, here future, the next few yes. months. Uh, which we're looking forward to. But I mean, you can pay me some money and I'll do it. Uh, now, if you're going to ask me, Zach, how good are the puzzles going to be? Oh, I'm very much just going to put crap everywhere. <laughs> but it's going to be hilarious because I'm going to put things that I know you either A, really enjoy or not enjoy. That I re- so put if a bunch gonna, of folding puzzles in there. That folding you know puzzles that involve Timo's voice lines oh, from League of Legends. No Timo. No Timo. But 
It's Hi, no, one. Now two. I can't even get back to what we were talking about because that voice is just haunting me. But I, I, I think reporting for duty. I think in the fifty percent of the equation of do the puzzles immerse you? Yeah, yeah, because they do. They they get you involved. You forget, but the other half of the equation in terms of true immersion of the narrative just isn't there for me. And again, I think that was done intentionally. I, yeah, I, that, I mean, that's. I think if David and Dave wanted to tell us a story, they, they could tell us a really cool story because I've you really get taken on a journey in terms of um, when David Kwong is actually doing a show. Yeah. Um, and magicians and illusionists do a really good job of that. Yes. But in this experience, I would say, no, it's a great game, but it's not immersive. Yeah. Um, a couple of fun questions to round out our section here is, would you personally want Dave Shukan on your puzzle hunt team? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. I would very much love uh, Dave to be uh, on there. To me, that's like a first round draft pick. Like it's like a no brainer. I, I, he's actually the number one draft pick. I would grab him instantly. Yes. It's like for like the amount of times, and you'll hear about this interview too, that this man and his team, uh, or I should say the team that he's a part of, he made it very yes. clear to us. He's not the team leader, but they have won it and designed the MIT puzzle hunt multiple times. Yes. Like, yeah, but all day, all day on my team. I was going to say, I, I don't feel, I guess my only argument is that I can have fictional characters or people who, uh, you know, like if I go, well, I'll take Dave, but I also want Sherlock Holmes on my team. Sure. Well, I mean, I think in terms, I don't know how well Sherlock would do on a puzzle hunt. I think he could do it. I don't know, but but I feel like part of his character is driven by the reality of a test, and this is just for fun, so he wouldn't enjoy it as much. I make him think it's real. Well, good luck with that, but you 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 take Sherlock, I'll take okay, Dave. Here, here's the thing, okay. Imagine I, I tell him that I'm uh, his villain. Oh, what's his name? Mori- I, Moriarty. Moriarty. I, I trick him to thinking that I'm Moriarty and I've set him into this a set of puzzle hunts to figure out what he needs to save the one he loves. And I, then I then at the end I go, hey, surprise, we were just playing a puzzle hunt. Sherlock Holmes would sniff that out instantly, purely looking at your clothing and your haircut. And he I, would absolutely absolutely destroy you. I look exactly like Moriarty. I, I just don't think you do. Okay. What do I have to change? Ex- explain. Uh, I need, you're not like villainy enough. Uh, I think you're good at puzzles, but like Moriarty, I think is better at puzzles. Okay, you're you're hard trolling now. And, I'm just kidding. No, that's that's very true. And I just I don't think he would go down that. I didn't even see this going down this rabbit trail. Okay, I'm getting Optimus Prime now. I don't care anymore. I, going back to your Transformers yes. reference, I think it's I think it's safe to say you would want you would want Dave Shukan on your oh, team. Oh, absolutely. I th- yes. I think he would be a amazing member of the team he'd probably hard carry me to be honest yes i agree like i think we could just sit back and and watch him go yes uh last question for you uh true or false you'd be a fool to miss david kwong's shows in the future would i be a fool yes i'd be a very much a fool i think you'd be a big fool okay jared (laughs) i know this is our podcast but this isn't like your roasting section at me i've got to get out all of my frustration to like an an audience and public to a public (laughs) yeah these are, these sessions are really more therapeutic. I hope you're excited for all the Timo voice lines oh, I have at gosh. the office. Gosh, uh, I, I, but yeah, I think uh, you'd be a, f- a fool. David's show, his current show, which is online, what's inside mm. the box, is sold out. Yes, and it, it came in two rounds and sold out. Yes, uh, we are excited to participate in it at the end of this month. Yes, very excited. Um, but yeah, this is that's a no brainer. If you if you like puzzles, if you like. Uh, solid magician slash illusionist. Like he wraps it up all into one and it's just awesome. Yes, it is. It's so, it's so good. Like he could put out 
I don't even know, like, he's not a musician, but I'm sure he could hide some songs in an album. I would listen to David Kwong sing songs. I'd be excited, actually. I would I would be interested by that. I don't know if he has, a, like, a rich baritone voice or whatnot. You can decide from the interview. But it's his stuff is just so layered and so engaging. Mm-hmm. And it is what I think most of us are looking forward to getting back to once um, the COVID situation starts to lessen. Yeah. This is the type of live entertainment that me as a nerd wants to go and will travel to see. Oh, absolutely. So that that's going to wrap up our second section. Hang on. We will be right back for our questions for creators. There are some awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve. This is Questions for Creators. All right, Zach. Werewolves, an ancient journey, or a spy quest? Pick one. No. What do you mean, no? Jared, you always do this. You're always thinking so small. Why pick one? We can have all of them in one. Keep talking. Well, if you just head over to Amazon and pick up Epic Adventures Box by Unlock, you can get not just one, but three escape-style card games. That sounds amazing. Welcome back to Puzzling Company. And in this section, as you all know, we get to ask our creators some fun questions. But we did this one a little differently, didn't we, Zach? We did. We uh, we let the tape run. We hopped on a live call uh, with these gentlemen. And honestly, we we just asked them a bunch of questions. And we just had a good time laughing. I think at one point I almost insulted Dave. I think you did. I think I did. and I, I was really Dave, upset by that. I, Dave, if you're listening, I didn't mean to insult you, but I asked him if he did any type of magic, and it didn't come off well. So, Dave, I'm so sorry if I insulted you. That was not my intent. Uh, but you'll, I think you'll get a good kick of it. I'm going to take Dave in it. a bar fight, to be honest. If we're going to pick – okay, I have to ask you this question before we go into the next part. Sure. Right? If I'm taking Dave Chukan or David Kwong in a bar fight, yes. I'm not answering that question. Ooh. I'm not I'm not pitting these two against each other because if I do that, who knows what we'll be missing in the future. That's true, actually. Never mind. They, yeah. I take both of them, we fight you for insulting there, me. I think that's fair. I think I would take that Bingo. beating. That that would that would be smart. But uh this section's gonna be a little bit longer than it usually is, but I yep. I highly recommend you stay on and listen to it because these guys are superstars. They have a big uh, following and they outreach, and uh, it was really, really fun to get them here to talk about their interactions with each other, what they do apart from each other, how they came to work together. Mm-hmm. And I know that Zach and I personally are looking forward to hopefully what is years more of fun shows, content, games, etc. Yeah, very much so. So we're going to hush up, and we will let you listen to what was a really fun interview. Yeah. All right, everybody, this is Jared. Welcome to our questions for creators segment. As you know, we usually do this where we give our creators time and a little bit of notice so that they can record their own answers for questions. But we have the honor today, and I think it's uh, quite nice because these guys are our feature game for the month to sit down with Dave Shukan and David Kwong and uh, to do that live. So welcome, gentlemen. This is going to be a lot of fun getting to have some, some time together with y'all. Thanks for having me. Cool. Well, I got 10 questions lined up, and uh, I know a lot of people are out there really curious about this Enigmas deck that you have coming out. And at the time we're recording right now, um, you guys are you guys are just about to send it out. Isn't that right? That's right. Yeah. It's taken a while. Uh, the U.S. playing card company was extremely backed up because of COVID-19, of course. Uh, but they have finally... Uh, 
printed them. And uh, they're in the next week, they'll be shipped, right, Dave? Something like that? Uh, that's right. Yeah, it should be either end of this week or beginning of next week is what we're told. Awesome. I can't, I know, I can't wait. I was a background Kickstarter. I know that that was a really successful campaign for you guys. So we're excited. We're excited to play something. Uh, we really, really looked forward to this and that's why we wanted to feature it. The first question I have just individually for each of you is just tell us a little about yourselves, your careers and uh, how, how you got to this place now where we are putting puzzles into a deck of cards. All right, maybe I'll start. Um, I'm David Kwong and I I'm a magician, and I'm also a puzzle maker. I wear those two hats, um, and I think they work so well together. My whole approach is that I don't have superpowers, that I acknowledge that magic tricks are, well, they're all puzzles in a way. They challenge your brain to figure out what's going on, and I acknowledge up front that magic tricks, they work because of how we fool your brain and misdirection and... Uh, extreme preparation and always having a backup plan and all these different principles that go into magic tricks. I love breaking them down into their fundamental pieces. And uh, in that way, they're, uh, they're a puzzle to me. So let's see, Dave and I met many years ago doing an escape room, I think. Mm -hmm. And I, I had been performing magic for a while and I'd already cross-pollinated puzzles into my magic tricks, doing these nerdy wordplay-based magic tricks. But after I met Dave, we really took it to the next level together. So Dave and I collaborated on my one-man show, a live show called The Enigmatist, which is magic and puzzles. And our latest project, uh, taking... Uh, I wouldn't say advantage of, but uh, <laughs> pivoting during quarantine is that we put together a virtual show, which is called Inside the Box. And the idea of that show is it's wordplay and games and puzzles over Zoom. And we designed puzzles that specifically take advantage of the five by five Zoom grid. So there uh, are puzzles that work across the five boxes. There are puzzles that uh, use a makeshift chessboard, and I'm very proud of it. And we'll we'll put some information up for all of you if you want to check it out. Absolutely, we'll definitely include that in the show notes and get people access to that. That is what we want to do. Dave, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Dave Shukan. I am an intellectual property lawyer. That's co uh, copyrights, patents, trademarks mostly, and I've done that for. 30 years, uh, and it's uh, great, and lawyering is fun and all that. I'm a litigator, so I'm in uh, court uh, every now and then. Uh, but there's, uh, while that uh, satisfies a good part of uh, your brain, uh, puzzles has always been a great love of mine. And uh, I had a puzzle column in my high school newspaper. Uh, I had a puzzle column in my college newspaper. I uh, subscribed to Games Magazine uh, within a year or so of it coming out. So I've always uh, done puzzles, solved puzzles, uh, written puzzles, collected puzzles. So I have long lists of puzzle types and puzzle things uh, that you know hopefully can be used every now and then. Uh, and then uh, that's a fancy way of saying you're a hoarder. I, I am a hoarder. I am a hoarder, but I'm a digital hoarder, so it takes up about that much space. Uh, 
Um, and then uh, the just before the year 2000, 1999 or so, there was a site online called the Gray Labyrinth, which was a puzzle site for people to write and share their puzzles. Uh, and we all went by uh, different uh, names, different pseudonyms. Uh, so uh, I was known as Dave 10,000 at that time, a an artifact from AOL where I signed up as Dave and I couldn't do that. So how about Dave 10? No, I couldn't do that. You know, it said, how about Dave 6342? I said, well, that's hard to remember. How about Dave 10,000? Uh, AOL let me do that. And so I, online, I was Dave 10,000 uh, in a lot of places. Uh, I shared a lot of puzzles, met a lot of people, uh, you know, with uh, odd names like KKAQ, Q-A-Q-A-Q, uh, and T. McKay uh, and Zebra Boy and just you know weird things that you know you just you just don't know who these people are but you know them by name. Uh, during that time, uh, so we had done that for a while. Or I'd been doing that for a while. Uh, in uh, as 2005 approached, uh, a lot of people were talking about the National Puzzlers League convention on this site uh, that was coming to Los Angeles. Uh, and I had known of the National Puzzlers League site for a while, uh, the National Puzzlers League for a while. And I figured, look, if they're bringing their convention to Los Angeles and I'm located in Los Angeles, if I don't get involved with that now, then I'm never really going to jump into puzzles. So let me see, you know, as long as they're coming to my backyard, uh, let me go. Let me see if it's for me. Let me see if uh, these are the kind of people I like hanging out with in person. Uh, and boy, the answer was yes. Uh, <laughs> I went uh, I met a bunch of people. Uh, I met the person named Zebra Boy, and I met the person named KCAC and, and all of these people. And it's, oh, that's who you are. That's who you are. Um, and uh, it was it was tremendous. It was just, uh, you know, four days of uh, the most intense collective puzzling stuff that you can do. Uh, the, the main program lasted three or four hours each day, but then people would just take over the lobby of the hotel and do homemade puzzles. You know, here's stuff I invented da, 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 and just, it was, it was going for 24 hours a day. And so that, that time, uh, July, 2005 was really my birth into, uh, the puzzle nation writ large. Uh, and uh, since then, I've gone to every MIT Mystery Hunt, which is an annual thing. I've been to every uh, National Puzzlers League convention. Uh, I've written over 300 puzzles for the National Puzzlers League uh, newsletter called The Enigma. Uh, and have just expanded uh, puzzle writing here and there, a little publishing here, a little publishing there. Uh, until, as David said, uh, you know, David and I crossed paths at an escape room, uh, and David uh, had always been looking for uh, you know, some people to bounce I puzzle ideas off of for a number of things. Uh, and one day he wanted to bounce some puzzle ideas off of me, and uh, we worked well together, and I was able to hopefully get him stuff or, or act as a sounding board for stuff he was doing. Uh, and that led to uh, additional bigger and better things, including, as David said, eventually the Enigmatist and Inside the Box and uh, probably, you know, close to uh, a dozen other things maybe that we've done over that period of time. And now, and it just, just keeps getting bigger. This is a great time to focus on writing stuff, getting stuff out there, because law stuff has subsided a little bit. There's just... 
other people have are focusing on different things. And it's nice to be able to have the master plan working where I'm increasing the amount of time I'm working on puzzles, uh, slightly decreasing the amount of time I'm working on law and uh, finding a happy medium. That's awesome. I want to I want to dive a little bit more into a thing that each of you said. So I'll ask you questions individually, David. I'm coming back to you. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about what you said at the intersection of your of magic and puzzles and kind of your philosophy on that. Because I was thinking about this all week. It seems like they are very similar, but they ask two different things of the audience. One says, uh, I don't want you to solve this, and that's the enjoyment of it. And one says, I want you to solve this, and that's the enjoyment of them. So how do you how do you merge those two things into a really unique product or show? Well, that's exactly right. That's where they diverge at the end of the road there. But leading up to it, they have so much in common. Um, I think that the best magic tricks, the best puzzles, they lead you down a garden path and then they misdirect you. Hmm. They make you think something's going on and then there's a twist. And uh, it's really fun to, to, to pull people in the direction you want them to go. And then with a puzzle, they have that aha, aha moment and they bounce back and they figure it out. And with a magic trick, you, you leave them a little bit mystified. Um, I tend to also with my magic tricks give a satisfying moment at the end of them for people so that it all comes together and I perhaps explain what's going on at times. But then I do leave this question mark of, wait, but how did this one last thing work? So I derive a lot of enjoyment out of exposing, if you will, the methods behind magic tricks because someone once said, I don't know who, whose quote this is, but it's in a ton of books, which is if the method of the magic trick is more entertaining than the effect itself, then reveal the method, use that as a performance piece. So that's what I do a lot is I um, expose the hidden mechanics behind the magic trick, but then I always leave them with a little bit of a question mark at the end of, Okay, so what we just learned applies to 90% of what David is doing. What about that other 10%? Um, so it's been a really fun uh, cross-pollination of the two. That's really cool because I, I feel like I agree that there is a sense to both puzzle and magic where you want to know. And there's just a rub of like, do I, do I try to figure it out? Do I go for it? Do I take that step or do I just enjoy the, the unknown? So I really appreciate that that tension that you play with. Uh, Dave, do you have a magic background at all? It's those two words at all that I will pick up on. <laughs> if, by, if by at all, do you mean, did I have a briefcase stuffed full of uh, 10 to $15 uh, magic items uh, when I was 10 or 11? <laughs> yes, then, uh, then I will count that as a magic background. Do you have uh, photos or video? That's what I want to know. Yes. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. um, I, I don't think so. Uh, I, I don't know if video is invented. Um, it, it was, they were, one of the reasons that I got out of magic one is because I, I didn't have a, an amazing talent for it, but um, also the things that I had purchased were largely uh, the tricks that worked automatically, mostly. Uh, so I never really developed 
any substantial sleight of hand, any substantial mm. uh, things that uh, magicians really need to work on. I was I, ha- I was able to do a little bit, but it didn't focus on that. So it did it it stopped interesting me at some point because. I wasn't being the student of it, uh, of of magic uh, at large, that I would need to do to, to really be a performer of it. Uh, but uh, being a perpetual student throughout my life, uh, I have been a student in a sense of magic in terms of learning about it. I, I love magic. I love the theatricality of it. I love the history of it. Uh, I am very well read in it, just not as a performer. Gotcha. Uh, and I think there's, that's true about a lot of other things as well. I've read up on a, a number of things. So uh, I'd like to think that I'm somewhat knowledgeable about uh, a wide variety of things, maybe not super deep in all of them. Uh, and I, that is very helpful in terms of puzzles. When you're trying to write a puzzle, uh, and often you are trying to write a puzzle to end up with a particular word, uh, because that word is going to be used later on. So if you get a puzzle with a particular word, uh, having a background of a variety of things, even if you don't know a lot about them, you can say, oh, well, I know that word can come into play because uh, you know it's a type of bird, and so I might do a bird puzzle. Or mm. uh, I, I, I can see that word has, uh, you know, uh, each letter appears in it twice, except for the letter R, which only appears in it once. And then I can use that to, to form a puzzle where you have words where every letter appears twice, except one letter only appears once. Um, so that's a, a long way of saying tiny bit of magic background, of magic background as a performer when I was uh, 10 or 11. Uh, then I moved on to juggling, which I had a little bit more of a, uh, uh, aptitude toward, did that for a while, still have my juggling, uh, materials here in the house. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's at some point, uh, puzzles was something that I got into and didn't let go of because puzzles is very open-ended, uh, uh, for me personally, very satisfying to come with, up with ideas, uh, bring them into the world, watch people solve them. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I come out. Cool. Dave, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you, why do you think puzzles and magic overlap so well? I mean, mm-hmm. even when magic, you know, when they started publishing magic books, uh, around the turn of the last century, like there were, sure. there were whole chapters devoted to puzzles. What's your take on it? Sure. I, I mean, well, you have the uh, Arthur C. Clarke quote, any sufficiently developed technology is indistinguishable from magic. And I think to some degree, uh, puzzles uh, written at a high level, um, maybe not an individual uh, straightforward uh, New York Times crossword puzzle if there's no big gimmick to it, but certainly some of the ones that have had big gimmicks to them, you look at and go, how did someone come up with this? It is almost trying to uh, trying to understand how someone wrote or designed a puzzle uh, can often give uh, someone, at least often gives me, the same feeling when I watch uh, someone do a magic trick and go, you know, how did they do that magic trick? I understand uh, from a academic standpoint, uh, you know, no, the bird did not actually turn into the handkerchief. And somehow he had to get the bird into his hand. And he had to get the handkerchief out of his hand. But looking at it where and how, and you try to go, okay, I saw this. 
So it didn't happen that way and it didn't happen that way. Actually, that's a lot like the scientific method, which is where the scientific method very rarely uh, establishes what does happen, but it de-establishes what can't happen. So, you know, I fire elect electrons can't be this because this rules this out. Electrons can't be that because that rules that out. So you look at a magic trick if you're trying to figure it out rather than sit, just sitting back and being entertained by it. Uh, you say, well, it couldn't happen that way. It couldn't happen that way. It couldn't happen that way. Uh, you remove all the ways that it couldn't happen. So maybe this is like Sherlock Holmes. Once you remove everything that's uh, that's possible, what remains, however improbable, is the truth. If there's only one way left to do something, that's mm -hmm. that. That's a big, uh, yeah, that's actually, um, that's a uh, one approach to performing magic is to systematically, one at a time, take away the possible explanation mm -hmm. for the audience. So um, you can imagine a, um, I don't know. Uh, the the Doug Henning routine. Oh, sorry. You have, you have a table with a bunny rabbit on it and uh, you put a box over it and then the box collapses and the bunny is gone. Uh, and you see that the performer, the magician has this around the table are these frills that are kind of like a tablecloth hanging over it. And he's, he's sort of, uh, uh, asking the audience to, he, he's, uh, to assume that it's hidden behind that tablecloth. And then he, he strips it away to show there's nothing under the table either. So there's an entertainment value to slowly taking away all the explanations. Um, in fact, there's another trick. I think Jim Steinmeier, the illusion builder, came up with it. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's it's a box where you vanish a woman in it on a on a table on a platform, and you like collapse each panel one at a time. It's you know, and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And that final panel goes down, and she's not there. And you're, and that's like a act that you're really systematically taking away every possible place you could be hiding. The one I was thinking of, uh, it was uh, the first Broadway show I ever saw was the magic show with Doug Henning. And there's a routine in it where he uses, uh, the, uh, oriental wands where you have two tassels and you pull tassel yeah, down, yeah, you yeah. Pull, ta pull tassel down. And it's like, Oh wait, how come you pull this tassel down you pull this tassel down and the other one moves up. And then, uh, so Doug Henning is doing it and the enemy, the villain of the show is doing it there, you know, and Doug Henning, uh, you know, does it one way and the villain does it one way. And the villain shows that he's got this little short cord in the front, uh, you know, it, Oh, Doug Henning shows he's got a short cord in the front villain shows he's got a short cord in in the front doug henning cuts his cords like oh wait it can't work now but it still does the villain cuts his cord it still does okay but now he's got a cord and they both have a cord in the back and doug henning cuts his cord the villain cuts his cord and it still works and then finally it's uh there's a cord that runs down the thing up around through and out the other one and doug henning cuts that cord of his and his still works the villain cuts that cord of his but his no longer works how come doug still works but the villain you know can't keep up with him and um yeah so it's there, there's, uh, there's a bit to, I don't want to overstretch the metaphor, uh, but uh, there are plenty of puzzle types uh, that I have written, some that I've looked at and said, uh, there's no way I'm going to be able to write that puzzle type. You know, earlier on in my career, there was no way I was going to write these 50 types of things. And then I start writing them. It's okay. Now I can write that type. Now I can write that type. There are still a few 
that uh, I haven't branched into that to some degree seem like magic to me. The most significant one of these is called a something different crossword, where I understand how to write crosswords now and having written many of them, um, but a something different crossword has extremely few black squares and all of the entries are plausible but ridiculous things. So an entry might be, uh, you know, seven pound boots or, you know, uh, car became rose. And you would define it as, you know, what happened when your automobile turned into a flower? That would be the definition. And the, the thing you put in is car became rose. And I kind of understand, and, and not kind of understand, I do understand how to fill in a standard crossword puzzle because I look at this blank and I feel, uh, you go, okay, well, this has to, you know, the, I'm going to put a vowel there because this, and there are only so many words this five-letter word can be. But when you can fill up a space with car became rose or any combination of things, one time I saw a clue that said, uh, anagram of this clue. And the answer was a string of letters that was an anagram of that clue. I mean, I, I, I understand inherently how you put together something like this, but the concept of doing one from, creating one from start to finish, uh, feels a little mind boggling to me and, and, and I haven't started one, so I don't know, maybe I will, I'll do one and it will be easier than I thought. Maybe I'll do one and it will be exactly as hard as I thought. Um, but also that type of thing, you can't really uh, use any computerized help because if I have a five letter word and I need an R second, I can hit a button on my computer and it will say, here are all the five letter words with an R second. But if I'm doing a something different, I can't say, give me all the 13 letter phrases that can be anything. Uh, so putting something together like that feels like magic. But at some point, lots of putting lots of puzzles together to me felt like magic, felt like something that, you know, only some mystical person could do and just pluck it from the heavens fully formed. But now that I've written a bunch of them, I know, okay, well, this one that used to seem like that no longer seems like that. This one used to seem like that no longer seems like that. Something different crossword puzzles still seem like that to me. And I think uh, there's a lot of just that kind of how did somebody write this? Uh, and if you'll indulge me for uh, one more minute, this is something I wanted to say before. One of the ways puzzles and magic really intersect, and I think this uh, answers the question that David posed, was uh, a puzzle might take five minutes to solve, an hour to solve, uh, whatever, uh, and might have taken 50 hours to write. The idea that it looks, it's just this one page thing. It looks so simple. You know, oh, yeah, here's this little challenge that I just spent five minutes or, or an hour solving. Uh, but behind the scenes, it may have taken days, it may have taken hours, it may have taken lots of people to put this together to make something this intricate and complicated, or maybe it doesn't even seem intricate and complicated when it really is. And I think there's a lot, there's a principle of magic as well, where you can spend any amount of money and, and any amount of time to do something for this 
quote, little, unquote, effect. You know, here, pick a card and, you know, pull this card. I think Penn and Teller have done on TV where they, you know, have pick a card and they have a camera that spots it and does this, and then they put the card up on the Times Square Jumbotron and whatever. You can have so much behind-the-scenes stuff to do an effect that just seemed like, okay, wow, you blew my mind at how you knew my what my card was. That might have taken $10,000 of right, stuff right. to do to make it look so easy. And I think there's a lot behind puzzles as well. What happens behind the scenes in creating puzzles can often be huge for a puzzle that fits on one page and looks pretty straightforward. And, but, and a corollary to all that is that in magic, um, if the audience has a flicker of an understanding of the behind the scenes work, um, they will often dismiss that as the explanation if it is so drawn out and has taken so many resources, hours, and money. They'll think no one would dare <laughs> spend all of that time to actually do that. No, that can't be possible. And then they would, then, then they dismiss it. But for a magician, it's completely worth it. It's completely worth it to do that. And for a puzzle maker, too. Yeah. That's, that's super fascinating that all of that complexity to make something seem simple. You're right. It's the same in magic and it's the same in puzzle making it to deliver something simple and elegant, but that maybe requires so much on the back end. I want to, I want to talk about the magic of you guys working together. You told us a little bit about the story you played in escape room together. That was kind of um, love at first puzzle and you've worked together a lot since. So take me from, that to putting together the enigmatist to what we're going to talk about for the rest of the podcast, which is the the product, the Enigma deck, Enigmas deck that you have coming out. How did how did that work? How did you figure out how to work together, play off each other? Was it easy? Were there tensions sometimes? Like how did you guys navigate that? I think we are a well balanced team. Dave is an incredible expert at puzzle making he's encyclopedic his knowledge goes quite deep and he has a high level of mastery and sophistication for puzzles and by contrast no uh (laughs) and i'm my strength is that i uh i'm very good at performing puzzles and uh i'd like to think i make them accessible and fun and easy and i think we do a good job of balancing each other out and um, it's a real back and forth. I'll say, I want to accomplish this effect. I want people to enjoy it in this way. Dave and I will discuss a bunch of different options. Some of them range from complicated, some of them range uh, to too easy. And we, we find that right balance. And um, I think we're good at that. We're not too precious about ideas. We counter each other well. We, if somebody says, nah, that's not going to work. The other person's like, okay, got it. I understand. I take the point. Let's try something else. And uh, so for the Enigmatist, which was my first foray into what I believe is the formula that I'm going to use for the rest of my career, which is um, hitting pause every few magic tricks and saying, here's puzzle number one, here's puzzle number two, and putting them up on a big screen behind me or presenting them in some way. Maybe they're in a packet um, at your tables or in the case of inside the box, 
uh, I'm going to put these puzzles up on the screen and you have materials that you've printed out. Anyway, I just, uh, there, there's a narrative structure and then I hit pause and say, now it's time for this puzzle. And those puzzles, they operate in the way that you might approach a, uh, a puzzle extravaganza, the mystery hunt. They are answers that all add, add up to the final answer at the end uh, with a meta puzzle. So that's the structure that I envisioned. And I, Dave and I have worked that out a couple of times to uh, what I think has been a lot of success. And they are, um, I'm proud of how they are, again, accessible. They're not too hard. Um, you might not know the answer at first, but when the answer is explained, everybody in the audience should be able to go, oh, of course, I just didn't look at it that way. I didn't think that the Eiffel Tower could be the letter A, but of course I see that now. So, um, yeah, I think it's working well. That's the tone that we're going for. All right, um, go ahead, Dave. Go ahead, Dave. Oh, yeah, I was going to add, agree, sign on 100% with what David said. Uh, I think one of the other key parts is uh, that while I have had and still have lots and lots of ideas, I can show you any number of lists of board game ideas and puzzle ideas and escape room ideas and various other ideas. Uh, through either the fact of uh, my day job keeping me busy or I don't tend to think, oh, let me take time off to actually make these things become a reality. Uh, that's not part of the essence of who I am. There are a lot of things that I I will make reality, but you know, I, I've, I've had a board game in development for uh, eight years, and it's a great board game. I love it. Uh, everyone who's played it has loved it. But I haven't – I've taken some small steps to, to see if anybody's interested in publishing. But I haven't said, you know what, I'm just going to get this published in the next three months, and, and that's it. Uh, one thing that David, because he is an entrepreneur and having been – you know, when you're a magician – your show's not going to go out there and, and do itself. You've got to go out and do it. Uh, I mean, you know, Enigmatist is the Enigmatist because of David. Inside the Box is inside the box because of David. Um, and I am happy and privileged to have been asked, do you want to participate in this? And you know, I will like participate in lots and lots of stuff because if someone is going to sort of have the idea, if someone's going to knock on the doors or hire people to knock on the doors and, and, and get the stuff done. Great. If you can get me there just to sort of write puzzles and give me in and give ideas, uh, that's great. That that's sort of my strength, but the making the abstract stuff into the reality stuff through the force of my own will is not one of my particular strengths, just because lack of time, lack of attention, lack of, because I'd risk rather be writing stuff. Uh, and so you do need someone like that to make these things a reality. Uh, and but for David, these things would not have been a reality. And that includes what we'll be talking about shortly is the Enigmatist, is the Enigmas deck, um, which you know, I was very happy to be a part of. But yeah, if we were waiting for me to be the spearhead of getting that deck to be a reality, we'd still be waiting. I think that I, just to echo that, um, the Enigmatist is a performance of puzzles 
the inside the boxes of performance of puzzles. Um, I think that was rather novel. You don't see a lot of that. Um, I take a page out of the book from parlor games that are played at uh, puzzle meetups and puzzle conferences. And um, it's, you know, it's me standing in front of an audience saying, raise your hands, stand up if you know the answer. So it's, I've, I've brought like a performative spin to puzzles, a uh, pop culture accessibility to them. So, and that is because I'm a magician, because I'm a performer, because I used to work in Hollywood uh, and I'm, we're, we're putting puzzles into TV shows and movies and we're getting them out there in a fun uh, pop culture way. And I think I have access to that. I've worked hard at, at establishing those relationships and yeah, I'm just, I'm always out there uh, trying to make it happen. Entrepreneur, I guess that's, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm a performer and I'm a, uh, I'm a, a salesman, I guess. In a way. Well, it sounds like you guys have a really cool, like working and personal relationship. And I think that's encouraging to a lot of people out there who maybe fit either one of your builds, like, Hey, I'm really good at puzzles. Like I really understand them. I can work with them and somebody else who can bring it mainstream or vice versa. I think it's just a great encouragement to say, like, there's probably somebody out there. If you feel like you can't do it by yourself, that can bring you what you're doing to the next level. Yeah. You got to surround yourself with people that can, that can buttress your weak, your weaknesses and, uh, and you can all, you can all move forward together. It's mm-hmm. yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about the, the most, what we're here to talk about, which is the Enigmas deck. Uh, tell me how this idea came to be. Um, and then what I'm specifically interested in is the medium, because what our podcast is all about is at home puzzle and mysteries. And we're so much more accustomed to seeing a letter or a box or a chest, or those are the common items of our world, but this is a deck of cards. And that is very intriguing. So tell us how, how we came to those decisions and what people can expect when they play this. Sure. Um, I'll start off. Um, I wanted to make a deck of cards that was um, an homage to the Enigmatist show, which is all about a it's a it's a historical narrative that surrounds these magic tricks and puzzles that I do. And it's about a place called Riverbank, which is an estate outside of Chicago that was thriving around 1915. And it was founded by a wealthy textile magnate named uh, George Fabian. That's F-A-B-Y-A-N. And Fabian was an eccentric guy. He was a collector of... uh, well, exotic animals. There were zebras running around and monkeys and stuff, uh, but also ideas and science. And two of the people that he brought to his estate were William Friedman and Elizabeth Smith, and they end up getting married. And the two of them are assigned to work on one of Fabian's eccentric projects, and that was to find a hidden code in Shakespeare. So you've heard of Bible code, right? If you circle certain letters or you, you know, you've read the books. Sure. You've read them. Yeah. You're well-versed. Nice. 
Uh, they're classics. They're very good at here. And uh, so Shakespeare code is the same idea that hidden throughout the works of Shakespeare is a secret message that reveals that William Shakespeare didn't write Shakespeare, that it was actually written by Sir Francis Bacon. Point is, is that these, this couple, the Freedmans, they got so well versed at looking for secret codes that they became experts in cryptography and the government caught wind of this. They brought officers to Riverbank to train under them and they became America's first cryptographers and they helped the war effort in World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, Riverbank is the cradle of cryptography. So that's the spirit of the show. That's the spirit of the deck of cards that is um, an homage to that show. We've hidden uh, some fun stuff right on the cards that you have to look for in terms of secret codes. I won't say any more than that. Um, And then there are four puzzles that are actual playing cards that are really nice, not-too-hard puzzles that the entire family can do. And if you solve those, they will go to, they will lead you to a website where there is this uh, incredibly well-made multi-level puzzle hunt that Dave has put together. And I'll let him take it away and tell you all about that. Um, yeah, I, no, so David is exactly right. We have a, a very nice website set up. The uh, the current deck is uh, as David described, which is uh, there are four specific puzzles that look like puzzles. There's some other stuff for people to find out. Uh, when all of that is done uh, and entered into a website that's printed right on the cards itself, that unlocks an online eight puzzle plus one meta puzzle puzzle hunt. Um, and I will. Uh, say some words that uh, some people might understand. Uh, there's a, a friend of ours puts out a uh, puzzle hunt every couple of months called Panda Magazine, uh, and that has uh, about a ten puzzle uh, puzzle hunt in it. Uh, and there's another friend of ours who, uh, so th- that's Foggy Broom. Uh, another friend of ours, Mark Halpin, who puts out a puzzle hunt every Labor Day. Uh, that's about. 10 puzzles, uh, maybe a little bit more, uh, that is extremely substantial and, and might take a whole weekend to solve, uh, but extraordinary extraordinary puzzles. Uh, I have been describing this puzzle hunt as somewhere between the level of the uh, fairly accessible uh, uh, panda hunts that come out every two months uh, and between Mark Halpin's Labor Day puzzles, which are very detailed. Each of the 10 puzzles might take uh, anywhere from one to three hours or maybe longer and are very uh, wonderfully wrought and and constructed. Um, You know, this puzzle is eight puzzles that are, uh, none of them are quick. None of them are a 15 minute, you know, dip in, here's the answer type puzzle. Uh, but all of them are, one, reasonably accessible, and two, uh, even though they, on their face, uh, some play a little bit hard, uh, there are hints right on the website. Uh, and so what we've done is, uh, instead of putting all of the instructions in every puzzle, so you might have a puzzle 
that uh, says do A, then do B, then do C, then do D. Um, we've taken those hint, those instructions and put them as hints so that uh, people who uh, like going, like solving uh, MIT mystery hunt puzzles where you're not giving any instructions can say, I'm not going to look at the hints. I'm just going to look at this puzzle and try to figure out what to do. Uh, people who have less experience or who get stuck uh, can take the hints in order. So can take hint A. Hint A will say, you know, look at this, here's the first step. Hint B will say, here's the second step. So there's a whole series of hints that you can consider being on the page itself. It's, it's just mm -hmm. happened to be on a different uh, place. Uh, and you can dial the degree of difficulty of each puzzle uh, as much as you want. And on the hint page, also the final hint is the answer to the puzzle itself. So no one can get uh, impossibly stuck. If you are completely stuck, even after taking all of the hints, which hopefully nobody should be, uh, you can get the answer to that puzzle, move on. Uh, you'll get all eight answers to the eight puzzles. You'll put them together in some way for you to determine, and that will give you a final answer to the overall thing. Uh, and, and the puzzle hunt is also based on Riverbank. And uh, we think it's kind of a fitting tie-in for the deck and the puzzles to work together that way. It's a, it's a nice uh, holistic uh, set of things, even though we have a deck of cards, which the faces of them are standard. They're well-designed, but they're standard playing cards, so you can use them as a deck. Um, and then when you solve the things that are happening inside the deck, then you get to this online, uh, more substantial puzzle hunt. And I just, just to echo what you said, I, I, I love that you've designed this so that if you've never done a puzzle hunt before, mm -hmm. you can try this one and get through it. And then if you're an expert, you can uh, not look at any of the hints. So it's really, it's made for everybody. That it's, that's really interesting. That's actually one of the questions I wanted to talk a little bit about is uh, it seems like with a show like what's inside the box or the enigmatist you're having more mass appeal so the temptation there is oh i need to make easier puzzles so because solving puzzles is what people want to do and they want to feel like they can outsmart them but in everything that i've seen from you guys working together um it's what i'm calling there's there's an iceberg you, if people, if people want to just stay and dance on what's above the water, feel free to enjoy that. But there's this invitation to, if you want to come deeper with us, we will take you down a rabbit hole of an increasingly more difficult, more complex world. But take, take what you want from this. Like there's no, no harm, no foul from doing whatever you want. Yeah, I think we do that well. There's something for everyone. There, I often call it two tracks. Or, or many tracks, uh, Iceberg also works. There's, um, you know, the, for example, the, the Enigmatist trailer that we made yes. is a great example of this, right? There's uh, a pretty accessible puzzle. We ask you to hit pause, go back and look at the video. And then I even tell you what it is so that you can say, oh, that's cool, I didn't even see that. Or, you know, yeah, I got it. And then I say, and there's something else, take a look. And if you find it, you know, there's a rabbit hole to go down. So. Absolutely. And I, I spent many a night in that rabbit hole, David. <laughs> I, uh, I will openly confess that the first time I saw the video, I felt incredibly smart solving the first part. And nice. then by the end of the night, had a Zoom call with five or six friends going, what do we, like, are, do you have to, 
do you see anything here? I think it's this, I think it's this, but that's, that's the enjoyable part. Like that, that one little video was an evening for me and the people yeah. close to me to enjoy and eventually uh, get down the rabbit hole. And just when you think you're at the end of that rabbit hole, no spoilers, there's more rabbit holes. Uh, so I'd encourage anybody that's listening and we'll post that in the show notes. If you, if you want a good place to start, I agree that video is a fantastic place to get a taste of what's in store. Yeah. Thank you. That's nice to hear. Did you say you got to the uh, puzzle set that Dave designed? Yes. Yes. Got to the puzzle set. Uh, I'm still on and off tinkering with those puzzles that you find there. I don't want to say anything too specific, but um, I have a goal to be listed on the website at some, at some point in time. We look forward to putting you up on it. So I, uh, but it's, 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 it's just a lot of fun. And I think we talked about this earlier. It is that, it's this constant uh, tension and tease of like, well, do you think you know? Or how much more are you willing to, to journey with us on something that we set up? And I think personally, that's just what I appreciate is something so simple you've made so rich um, and, and something that you can go very deep into if you want. And it's, and it's perfect. There's people that won't. There's people like me and people that I think a lot that will listen to this podcast that will dive in and have a really fun time with something like that. And I think uh, I'm not immediately aware of uh, other hunts that have put up the hints and answers at the same time that the hunt goes up. And and one reason for that is usually that uh, online hunts are generally set up as competitions. Who finishes first? And if you put all of the hints and all of the answers up, you can't really say who finishes first. Uh, that's kind of a meaningless thing because someone might finish with no hints and someone might just say, I want to be the first one there. So I'm just going to click answer, 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 and, and finish that way. Uh, but it was important to us uh, in particular because uh, other puzzle hunts uh, are self-selective in a way that I'm doing this puzzle hunt because I want to solve these puzzles. And, uh, you know, if, if the answers are right there, it's a bit tempting to click on them or, or what have you. Um, the people who are purchasing the decks of cards might do so for lots of different reasons. They could be card collectors. Uh, they could just have an interest of seeing what this is about. It could They could have seen that it was appearing on Kickstarter and they got caught up in the frenzy and clicked, let me buy it. Uh, and so this is as much to uh, be accessible to a wide variety of people. Uh, and it's always uh, difficult when you have uh, a distribution of people solving a particular set of puzzles, uh, where to aim the puzzles, because you can aim the puzzles for uh, the uh, the 10% of people with the least experience, but then the people with the most experience are going to go, well, okay, that took me three minutes uh, and there wasn't much there. You could aim toward the top 10% and leave almost everybody else in the dust. Uh, how do you deal with that? So there have been uh, ways that other uh, puzzle competitions have dealt with it. There's a, uh, a yearly competition called Dash, which takes place in a lot of cities. Uh, people wander around. Uh, and uh, about halfway through, I think it's up to Dash 10 or 12, somewhere around there, about halfway through Dash's existence, Dash split into 
the experienced course and the, the lesser experienced course. So the, you know, the, the pros or the less pros in the NPL, we call them the uh, runners versus the strollers. Uh, people who just want to get to the finish line uh, versus the people who want to enjoy, <laughs> enjoy what they're doing rather than just race to the finish line. Yeah. Um, and, and so the puzzles are typically the same but like I was explaining before with the hints, you might first write the runner puzzle uh, to be somewhat bare bones and require a number of assumptions that aren't going to be stated on the puzzle. And then you could, instead of just giving hints to people when they come up to you and say, I'm stuck, I don't know what to do, give me a hint, there's a whole stroller path that if you sign up for either a runner or a stroller, that is the same puzzle, but might have two or three more instructions and might have one or two things filled in already in the puzzle so you can sort of see what's going on. And that's a big help in what's going on. Um, so one possible way of doing what we had been thinking of, or what, what we did, was to say, you know, download, you know, version A or download version B. Um, but even version A and version B only splits things into two. You don't necessarily want to give people version B and say, yep, we're gonna feed you all this stuff whether you need it or not. Uh, and so the idea of putting hints up right from the start seemed to make a lot of sense. That way people can check, you know, and we give them, I think each puzzle has about uh, six to 10 hints. Uh, so people can just click off things. If they look at it and they don't know where to get started, the first hint will tell them how to get started. The next hint will give them a little bit more. Next hint will give them a little bit more. Uh, and because um, these are, not everyone is going to start at the same time. I mean, decks of puzzles are gonna be sent out, or the decks are gonna be sent out when the decks are sent out. People might be buying this a month down the road or a, a year down the road. The idea of who finished first doesn't really come into play since people are going to start when they get their deck of cards you know, and they might be at work when their deck of cards is delivered. And so so the idea is just if you finish, you'll get your name on the board. We don't know. And indeed, we have no way of checking how many hints you take. The website does not, you don't you don't have to log in. The website doesn't track anything. If, if you put an answer in, it tells you if your answer is right. Uh, you know, if you put the final answer in, somehow magically guessing it before solving anything, it will Tell, say you've solved the entire thing, that's all it does. It just says that is an answer or that isn't an answer. Uh, and people will get through it at their own pace, taking however many hints they want. Uh, if they get through it and they send us the final answer, their name will go up on the uh, wall of solvers board. And that's great. We just We want people to have fun with this set of puzzles in the way that they want to have fun with it. Uh, and with a little bit of a reward of, yep, you got through it. However you got through it, that's great. Your name's up on the board. That's really cool. And I, and I think that that's important because I think sometimes people in the pseudo puzzle world see the word puzzle hunt and they're like, that's too much. Like, I know that that's beyond me. So I think for everybody listening to know that there are hints that you can do this, like you said, Dave, kind of at your own pace. And if you need the help that's there, I think that's fantastic that you guys added it because I think accessibility is such a big issue in the puzzling world. And when you give good hints, that's what people want because it is literally impossible to gauge from one person to the next 
the moment where it becomes frustrating and unfun to challenging and enjoyable. So I'm glad that that's uh, an aspect of what you guys do, but it sounds, it sounds like this thing is going to be cool. I, I'm dying uh, to get it in the mail. And I know my uh, co-hosts and I, we will tear into it. And uh, like we've been talking about, we're recording this before we have played it. So as you're listening to the podcast, if you're like, but you just reviewed it in the last two segments, we know we are aware we're not throwing some crazy time travel laps at you. Uh, but the, la- the last question I have for you guys is what's next? Uh, in what's inside the box is running through January, and I believe it's still sold out. Is that correct, David? Yeah, in fact, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to tell you this might be the first public announcement of this. Uh, it will extend. Uh, we'll announce that soon, um, formally. So there'll be some dates going through uh, mid-February coming up. Um, yeah, it's, people people want a puzzle right now. It's It's been really nice to see that. Um, it's been reviewed nicely and people are having a good time. So it's, it's sold out, but if you you can sign up at the Geffen Playhouse website for notifications uh, for when tickets go on sale and you can grab those quickly. And also we're doing rush tickets now too, which are um, there are five of those per show at a slightly lower price. So you can, uh, you can, it's view only though. I think if you're listening to this podcast and you're a puzzle, you probably want to play along. So, but if you have any friends or family that might just want to watch it and be a little more passive, there are rush tickets too. Um, well, Dave and I are working on a number of Hollywood projects that need puzzles and secret codes in them. Uh, some I can talk about, some I can't, I can tell you that, um, they've, rebooted the kung fu series so uh that show will be on the cw and we are heavily involved in putting mystery into that show um there's another um mystery show that uh we are working on i probably shouldn't say what that is yet but it's going to be pretty damn cool we put a lot of layers into it we will Make sure that you can tell everybody, Jared, what that is as soon as we can talk about it. Awesome. Uh, we'll give you. This. Is it, is it going to be mass mass appeal production? Yeah, yeah. This is a big. This is a big series on a big um, uh, network, and um, we'll 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 tell you what else we got cooking, Dave, in the Hollywood front. Um, on the well, one thing that's not necessarily the Hollywood front is, uh, you know, once the dust settles on this deck of cards, which hopefully will be in the next week or so, and then it's off to the races. Uh, you know, it's always nice to think about what the next deck of cards is going to be, and we've got enough going on right at the moment that it's not going to happen in the next month or two or three. Um, but uh, I, I think it's fair to say that. Uh, one thing that I'm interested in, um, the way this deck, uh, the way the current deck came about was it was, um, you know, largely a deck to fit in with David's Enigmatist show. Um, and a deck that fit in with the Enigmatist show was never really going to be a deck where the entire deck 
was the puzzle itself was a difficult you know a a very multi-layer all of the cards are that uh the faces of the cards are all different so you can't really play a, a game with this is this is very much a, a standard deck of cards with a bunch of puzzly stuff in it and leading to an even more puzzly stuff outside of it but the concept of having an entire puzzle hunt within a single deck of cards so that the faces, you know, the, the symbols on the faces, the way the pips line up are something, the backs are all different or at least substantially different so that they combine in a number of ways so that everything is hidden inside the deck and might take four to five to six to 10 hours to solve through the entire thing is something that I find very appealing and is uh, something that I think it may be coming up, if not next in line, uh, in the future for us at some point. That that's an yeah. self-contained puzzle deck. You heard it here first, everyone. <laughs> I was the scoop. We got the scoop here at Puzzling Company. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, this is uh, this has been incredibly enjoyable. Thanks, really. Thank you for taking the time and setting this up to just talk shop and uh, talk about your story. Our, our goal is to get people like you out there and to get in touch with you and your products. So uh, we're, we're very excited that we got to do this and have you on as the feature for our first month. So thanks so much. And uh, I look forward to talking to y'all again soon about other puzzly things and other future projects. Anytime. Yeah, it sounds great, Jared. Thanks for having us on and great luck with the show. Wow. Well, that was really awesome getting to listen to them. We hope you guys enjoyed the episode as much as we did. Uh, they were a blast to talk to and kind of listen to their minds go through their uh, train of thought. But that's going to wrap up actually this episode of Puzzling Company. We very much enjoyed you guys being here. Now, you're probably asking, Zach, where can I get this game? Well, we've discussed it before, but I'll gladly tell you again. You can go to davidquongmagic.com, and in there you can kind of see some of his other experiences or things that you can join. Uh, but also you can buy the deck of cards, and we hope to hear more about what you thought about them. The other thing you can do is if you really enjoyed the puzzle hunt and you want to do more of them, or you just want to kind of experience them for yourself or kind of look into them, you can go to davespuzzles.com. And that's going to wrap it up. So we hope you enjoy listening to Puzzling Company. If you enjoyed a lot, you know, leave a like, download, you know, leave a review about what you think about us. You can also go to our Facebook and leave a like and follow us on there. Or you can go to our Instagram, which is also just Puzzling Company. But that's, that's going to wrap it up. This is for Zach and Jared. This has been another episode of Puzzling Company. We'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling. <laughs>